The Her Sports Show, live every Wednesday on YouTube and every podcast app. Hello and welcome to The Her Sports Show, our weekly series bringing you the latest and breaking news from the world of women's sport. In today's episode, we discuss the ongoing World Athletics Championships that take place in Oregon, the final stages of the Camogie Championships, and we catch up with Eve Higgins after their qualification for the Sevens Rugby World Cup. As well as this, we'll recap the Irish National Rowing Championships. This week, to go through the main headlines, we're joined by Dara O'Conqueror. Dara, it's great to have you on, on the show. Great to be asked. Thanks a million, Niamh. No problem at all. In terms of uh, this weekend, the Camogie All-Ireland semi-finals uh, take place in Croke Park in a double header. Uh, Quirk will face Waterford and Galway will take on Kilkenny. So starting with Quirk versus Waterford, uh, Waterford put on an impressive performance ahead of uh, Limerick and they look like they could be a threatening outfit to Cork. Uh, they do, Niamh. They look like they're improving, which is what you want at this time of the year. Um the teams have met in the group stages before and, and Cork won by six points. Um, but it was it was quite competitive. Uh, and we saw at the weekend, you know, what Warford can do uh, in an offensive sense. They, they've always had good forwards, but I was really taken by how their movement uh, uh, and pace, like how the patterns have evolved and they work so well to create space and then they have the forwards in the likes of Beth Carton and Niamh Rocket, who are both all-stars. But Abby Flynn is another really good young player. She's only 20 and she's in her third season now, you know, an ex-underage basketball international. And she plays in the National League in basketball in the sort of off-camogie season as well. But she's really flourishing. And um, then you have Lorraine Bray, a skipper in the middle of the field. She she looks like you wouldn't you, you couldn't leave her out in the field. She's really small, but she's hardy and so skillful. And they just that 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 worked to a T and did the damage done in the first half. Um so certainly um Cork are a different tests, but uh they, they look like they're evolving and, and they've gotten to a semi-final for the first time since 1959, and they've reached the three previous or the four previous quarterfinals so it was really important step for them so they're moving mm-hmm. in the right direction yeah it certainly sounds like there's a few dangerous players there that you're talking about in terms of the the group stages uh quirk were group one winners does that mean anything at this stage or is it a whole new task ahead yeah i mean it's it's a tough one because we have this conversation every year and it's sort of the same in the provincial championships in hurling you know is the gap a break is it a benefit the extra break or are you better off to have had a game um and i guess it depends who you are cork are sort of accustomed to navigating that um although they are a team in a bit of transition as well with some you know a new management obviously and, and matthew toomey and david fitzgerald and a new young players coming through um but so, so they would have been expected to top the group uh, but it hasn't been a flawless campaign for them and they lost their mm-hmm. last game against Tipperary even though they were missing a couple of players. They are going to be missing by the looks of things Ashling Thompson through suspension which would be monumental loss and Orla Cronin mm-hmm. stepped away after a lot of injury issues and she's a huge loss as well. So I think Walford will view it as an opportunity. They need everything to go right. Um, they have had the game. So the thing about the game is you need to recover quickly. It was very hot avoid injuries and uh, if that's the case they should be buoyant you know they should think we can get at them in terms of our forwards and the test might be 
you know, can Iona, Heffernan and Co keep it tight at the other end against the likes of Amy O'Connor, who's a bit of a goal machine, Sorsha McCartan, who will be back from injury, who's joined Cork from down last year. She works down in Cork. So, um, you know, if they can do that, this will be a real cracker of a game because the spaces mm. in Croke Park will suit the world for forwards, but then they will suit the likes of Amy O'Connor and that as well. So from the, the Cork perspective, who are three or four players we should be certainly watching out for and, and will be a danger for Waterford? Yeah, up, up top, Amy O'Connor and probably Katrina Mackey have plenty of experience and, and a real goal threat and plenty of pace. Um, Katrina Mackey is there more than 10 years now, a slew mm-hmm. of all-stars, and she just seems to be playing as well as ever. Um, Hannah Looney is a huge player coming back after missing the league, working in New York. Um, she, she came on for the footballers towards the end of their defeat, the ladies footballers in the championship. Has, has, has been in now a little while and certainly with Ashley Thompson gone she's she's you know there's going to be huge responsibility on her maybe defensively then you're looking at Laura Tracy at centre back who missed that last game against Tipperary again is only around 26 or 7 but seems to have been around forever and is a real leader and uh, you know she might be picking up for argument's sake Beth Carton and that could be worth the price mm-hmm. in alone that battle and in terms of the, the match, like what aspects of the, of the game do you think Waterford will be looking to dominate? Well, you know, it's, it's sort of, you tend to come up with the same answers for all these questions, for all these teams, because the way Camogie is really caught, caught up with the evolution that's been taking place in the other codes and in hurling, for argument's sake, in the last few years. And so it's, it is more tactical in nature. They do tend to play possession games more and, and you know, try to mine the ball and create opportunities. Really, to do that, you need to be in top in the middle third for your between half-backs, midfield and half-forwards. And, uh, you know, Cork, Waterford are strong in that area. Um, Cork have traditionally been strong in that area. Okay. It's just, it is a bit different without Ashley Thompson there because she's a huge presence, a physical presence, very good hurler, brilliant athlete up and down the field and and you know Cork are favourites they would have been stronger favourites but I think that gives Warford you know definitely a little more hope yeah yeah uh, for anybody that doesn't know what happened with uh, Ashton Thompson's suspension suspension uh, she got a straight ride card so what exactly ha- what exactly happened well do, do you know the information <laughs> Is 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 an, is you know a lot hasn't come out in public or anything like that. We haven't we haven't come out. We haven't gotten no official, but but there was news story there in in the Examiner. I think so. So it it appears that uh, you know there was an exchange between uh, Ashling and the referee okay. after the game, and the referee issued a card, and uh, the new the, the news sort of came out there was at the end of last week that Ashley had gotten a two game suspension. So that means that even if, as it stands, if Cork wins, mm-hmm. she misses the All Ireland final as well. Um, I, I don't know, but I would, I, I, you know, the way these things go now, Neil, you'd imagine probably an appeal is is going to happen unless yeah. unless she's banged to rights, caught like you know. But uh, I'm sure they're looking at it. Um, and but that's what occurred, and she got a a, a two game suspension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she's certainly a talented player, so it'll be interesting to see how how Cork go on without her. In terms of Galway and Kilkenny, um, would it be an upset if Kilkenny topple Galway? You know, 
it probably it probably would, but it shouldn't be. Um, they're nearly twins of the hurlers, the Kilkenny Camogie team at the start of the season. Uh, they're missing two generational talents, like two of the greatest defenders of the last 10 years, retired Colette Dormer and Davina Tobin. Uh, Megan Farrell, who's who's been one of the top midfielder stroke centre-backs for the last seven or eight years, went to Australia, um, a, a previous captain, All-Ireland winning captain, I think. They lost the two Doyle sisters with uh, serious injuries. Kellyanne suffered her third cruciate. And uh, Neve Dealey's just come back from injury. So bas- but basically they were missing five of their starting team last year. And that's in the back of losing like players like Anne Dalton, who's one of the greatest ever played, mm-hmm. and Anna Farrell in the last couple of years. So you were just thinking, right, this year, bit of transition, um, fair play to the management for staying on. And, uh, but they'll, they'll fall off the pace a bit. Uh, they've been scoring very heavily through the group stages. And then in that final group game against Galway in Athenry, which was, you know, it just sparked the attention of people. Um, there's nearly 1,300 tickets sold, I think, in Athenry, which would be a huge amount of tickets for a group uh, Kamoe Championship game. The sun was out, huge crowd. And it was an absolute belter of a game. And Kilkenny were actually winning till just about extra time on you can uh, hit the equaliser. Um, and if she hadn't, uh, Kilkenny would have gone straight through to the semi-finals mm-hmm. uh, rather than Galway. It was only score differential in the in the end. As it happens, they get there and they meet each other again. But that day showed us that Kilkenny are more than capable of winning in All-Ireland. So all bets are off. <laughs> so what does Kilkenny need to do to, to book their place in the final? Uh, Kilkenny, yeah. I mean, again... Again, Galway are really um, athletic and quick, particularly from the middle towards the front. So they will need to, if they if they can't stop the flow of possession into the likes of Siobhan McGrath, can't stop the likes of uh, Aoife Donoghue getting on the ball, um, Neve Kilkenny even, uh, like Neve can be really quiet and then in five minutes she can have three points on the board. She's just <laughs> such an economical player. Um, when they beat Galway in the All-Ireland in 2020, the first COVID um, All-Ireland, uh, they had a huge game in the middle of the field. Grace Grace Welsh was playing there. Uh, she's back full back now. And, uh, you know, that's going to be a huge test. There's a new midfield pairing for Kilkenny and against the likes of either Aoife Donoghue or Niamh Kilkenny or Niamh Hanafi, that's a massive test, but if they can get on top there, again, they have the fours. Miriam Walsh is playing the best hurling of her career, um, and once she gets the ball into her hand, she's just so hard to stop in the quarterfinal last week. She won the penalty, scored a goal, and obviously Denise Gall is a former hurler of the year and will shoot the lights So They need to get the ball, um, so stop the ball going one way, win the ball going the other. That's why... You know, you don't need ex- you bring experts on, so-called experts on, and they come out with the obvious. But really, really, that's what it is. <laughs> what that's what it is. Yeah. And in terms of uh, expectation, will there be that weight of expectation on Galway, given that they were former champions? Yeah, and they have never in their history managed a two in a row, um, mm-hmm. which is a big thing. And I thought it was. Brilliant management by Colin Murray within minutes of winning the All-Ireland last year. Because a lot of these girls have been around a long while. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them um, would be in their 30s 
uh, which isn't old, but, you know, given when the county camogie players, particularly of that generation, probably started at 16, 17, they have a lot of camogie played. A lot of them were there in 2013, uh, mm-hmm. 2015, and all the way through. But they have now won two of the last three All-Irelands. They are the most consistent team of the last few years. But he said straight after the last All-Ireland, you're not considered a great team unless you win two in a row. And he was actually putting the challenge up to his own players. Yeah. Don't even dream of retiring. <laughs> and uh, so they're all back and they're all, this is what they're here for. Yeah. So I, I, I think they're very focused on going all the way, but they have two huge games to play against. Absolutely. And do you think that we might see some retirements from them uh, after the end of the season? Listen, it is hard to say, but, uh, you know, because the next thing, maybe he call might come out and say, oh, you know, you're one of the all-time greats if you win it three in a row. So <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's hard to know. He's just you looking know, to go down it. in history, you know, as much as possible. Well, that's the thing, you know, it's like, you know, the Limerick hurlers, the same discussion is ongoing now, you know. Yeah. Are they happy with four and five, three in a row? You know, are they going to go for five in a row? They certainly have the age profile, but you know, a, a lot of a lot of the Galway girls have been there a, a long time. Some of them are after getting married now, you know, and and uh, it's just, you know, I'm not going to don't want to be putting words in anyone's mouth, but um, I I guess it, 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 you know, at some stage, life becomes the next stage in in your priority, you know, but uh, um, they're certainly good enough, fit enough. Uh, to keep going for another few years. And that's the other thing about Camogie Neve, you know, the, 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 the condition, the level of conditioning and all of that has improved so much. And with the change in the rules, it has caused an absolute spiral in the, you know, uh, in the caliber of play and the standard of play in the last couple of years now that you can have a bit of physicality. But, you know, they're, they're in really good nick and really good condition now. So it'll only be their decisions. It won't be, from what I've seen, that anyone needs to walk away. Yeah, absolutely. And sure, look, what I'd say is we're seeing uh, more and more moms in sport and, and leading the way. And uh, if the men can do it, the women can too. So how competitive have you thought that this championship has been this year? Uh, I, I saw some people were disappointed in, in the one-sided nature of the two quarterfinals. And that okay. is understandable. But listen, we have that again in football. Mm-hmm. We have it often. We've had it in hurling. So this is nothing new. And then you know the code is developing, so you you have gaps through the through the tiers within tiers, but the group stages were phenomenal, absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant. Um, they showed the ab- absolute uh, benefit of you know groups and round robin stages and leaving the provincial thing out of it. Um, the first group in particular, a, a really good team. Clare were at the bottom of the group a really good team like that that got to the Munster final and that drew two games, uh, brought Waterford to the last puck of the ball. Brianna O'Regan had to make a great save or they were losing and not qualifying. And here they are in an All-Ireland semi-final. Tipperary beat Cork in the last game, only lost one game and didn't qualify. Mm-hmm. So every team bar one was in with a chance in that group. Um, the other group by its nature, because two of the top three were in it, was a little more lopsided, mm-hmm. but again, below the top two, the battle for that third space was was phenomenal. And that's what we have in any sport. That's what we have yeah. in the premiership. You have, you know, top tier, and then you have people battling. And uh, But what you're seeing is the standard rising above, 
at tip made a really good go of challenging that top three. They were unlucky this year. Orlo Dwyer is in Australia, uh, unavailable. Karen Kennedy injured, and uh, Roisin Howard, uh, mm-hmm. you know, got a big suspension, which ruled her out. And uh, they were very, very unlucky. But that's that's the nature of it. It's unforgiving, yeah. and it's week after week. And certainly, um, yeah, I I think it's improving and getting better all the time. You see Antrim coming through and making an impact straight away. So it's. Uh, Great to see a couple of Ulster teams in there as well. So good and a good breath of teams, yeah. Very good. And in terms of predictions, with Cork versus Waterford, what's the expectation? You know, for all that, I give Waterford a great chance. Um, the facts are that, you know, it's it's always, it has been for the last number of years, either Cork, Kilkenny or Galway in an All-Ireland final. And uh, while I do think Cork are sort of still feeling their way, maybe under new system, new management, I also feel that they've probably been holding a bit, a bit in, mm-hmm. in holding a bit back, doing as much as they need to. And even with Ashington Thompson gone, you know, Amy Lee will be back, Laura Tracy will be back. I just think as well they have real experience of playing yeah, yeah. in Croke Park, and I think they should pull through. But it could be a, a really good game. Very good. We'll, we'll look forward to it anyways. And then in terms of Galway and Kilkenny, what, what do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this game. And more than anything, uh, that's what it is. And, and when you're talking about a one or two point game, predictions wouldn't be with any certainty at all. And often I refuse <laughs> to give them. But having said that, I do think that Galway are a team on a mission. And in that group game, as brilliant as it was, I cannot imagine that both teams, neither team was really showing their full hand either, knowing that there was a good chance they would meet again. Um, mm-hmm. I just think Galway in the last 10 or 15 minutes, as they did in the league final, the All-Ireland final, they have great depth on the bench and that that could swing it. Very good. Well, look, I'm looking forward to the games anyway, and then we'll have, a, have the final to look forward to after that as well. In terms of the, the newspaper headlines uh, in the Irish Independent, um, one of the stories that is hitting the headlines today is about the World Athletics Championships in Oregon um, as Adelecki lines up alongside Ireland 400 metre semi final. So, have you managed to catch any of the athletics? Uh, the old, the old uh, time differential is a bit of an issue, uh, yeah, Neil. Sure. Yeah, but um, you know, some of the it, highlights, it, it, I hope. Sorry, yeah, exactly. You know, um, it's really interesting to see how Rasadat will, will go. Obviously, her huge hopes have been pinned on her in the last couple of years, you know, mm-hmm. uh, given, you know, how she's done through the youth and underage levels. And this is a massive step up. And listen, I think to reach a semi final is probably a great achievement. Um, yeah, she did run a, a 49.80 anchor leg in, in the mixed relay, which. You know, sure, she has the speed, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, we knew that uh, that would be, of course, a, a running start. So that's not the same as starting from the blocks. And her Irish record is 50-70, and that might not be enough. So she probably needs to break an Irish record mm-hmm. to reach a final. But, you know, she's 19. Um, sprinters probably wouldn't be at their best, you know, because so much of sprinting is conditioning and, and, and you know, building that muscle mass even and you know to, to power the whole thing through so her best years are ahead of her and it's it's very very exciting um you know very exciting and i just hope i hope she gets to run a race and run close to an irish record mm-hmm. yeah i know she's uh only she's only really trying her hand at the 400 meters now like she's been traditionally in the 100 and the 200 and, and she's moved up and 
um, you know, we were we were talking to her at the the national championships, and she's kind of like, yeah, I might give a bit of a, a bit more of a go to the four hundred. She's trying to work out what's best for her, but you know, in the in the headlines, it has uh, when she rises from the blocks in Oregon tonight, uh, setting off around the bend in Hayward Field in the World Championship semi final. The first thing Rashida Adelecki sees will be her teenage idol. In lane in the lane outside will be Sean A. Miller Ubo of the Bahamas, the two-time Olympic 400-meter champion who Adelecki often gets compared to, given their capacity to compete across the range of distances. Adelecki has destroyed Irish senior records as a 60-meter, 200-meter, 300-meter, and 400-meter this year, but she will need something much faster than her Irish record of 50-70 to finish in the top two to automatically advance to the 400-meter final. But there are signs as you might be capable of it. So I'd say it'll be a, a starstruck moment for her to get to run beside Sean A. Miller, but um, something she's, she's certainly cut out for. Um, it'd be unbelievable to see her in a final. And as you said, like a lot of people are, are expecting a lot from her, which I can imagine is, is tough. Um, but she seems to rise to the challenge every time. Yeah, that's a key thing, isn't it? At, at that level, you have just mentality mm-hmm. um, is a huge part of it. The talent like in any sport, you know, she's gotten there. So the talent is, or a certain level of talent is already a given. So from there, it's mentality and the willingness to put in the work. And in that mm-hmm. individual sport, that's harder probably than in a team sport. You know, there's a lot of lonely nights mm-hmm. and days and mornings, but she appears to have it. Um, she does have a great personality, uh, which, you know, maybe helps. Um and and yeah, but it's it is all ahead of her, and you know the four hundred is such a physical sport compared to the others. That you know you saw us here, you uh, saying Bolt nearly giving out. You know there wasn't a prayer he was going to do in four hundred because it was just so so physical. Um, but but you know certainly at that her best years would be ahead of her. You're talking about going out again. You, you know, uh, someone like Sabina Rabbit for Galway coming out in the field and seeing to train and seeing Neve Kilkenny there. You know, that that's what it's like. Uh, but when she's on the block, she'll have to get rid of that stardust and be ready to ground her. Well, listen, I was going to try and beat her, but she, she will be running her own race and she will mm-hmm. have her targets and what she plans to do, I guess, from 100 to 100 to 100. And uh, I think just perform is her is her goal not qualify not set a time I think it's perform and whatever that brings then you know as long as she can walk off the track and think yeah, that's brilliant going forward this is about experience you know when she's 21 23 you know 25 these are the years where hopefully I mean for us to be talking about sprinters chasing medals is insane that never occurred that is, yeah. It has never occurred. I was going to say in my lifetime, it just doesn't occur. So um, her best years are ahead of her and this is invaluable experience. Yeah, no, that's absolutely it for her. You know, she's getting uh, more opportunity at, at senior level to compete and, um, you know, to show what she's made of. And she's obviously been out in the in the States and university and, and it seems to be really paying off because she's just running faster and faster, uh, which is great. But as you said, you know, we're seeing uh, the longevity um, and, the, and the opportunity uh, for, you know, for sprinting. Um, Alison Felix is just retiring there after, you know, 20 years um, being involved. So there's there's certainly a lot of opportunity for Rashida, uh, as I said, only 19. So um, the race will be starting at 3.50 Irish standard time. So it's going to be uh, an early one for any Irish fans, but uh, we'll try and share some of the, the stories um, as early as we can the following morning and uh, we might even get some clips and that type of thing so 
Alongside Rashida and Oregon, there are a host of more Irish talents coming up in the competition and there are lots more events yet to take place this summer. We travelled to Tullamore to meet some of the upcoming Irish rising talents and in this video we meet Adiyami Talabi who is competing in the 4x100 mixed relay in the World Athletics Championships. My name is Adiyami Talabi. I do the one, the two and long jump. I joined the club when I was six, but I feel like I've been running even before then because like primary school, everyone's like running around. So I was all, I was naturally fast. There was a girl maybe like two or three years ahead of me and she said to my mom like, oh yeah, there's a club in like Longford Town if you want to take her. So my mom took me there and since then I've been running with Longford, yeah. With long jump, it's kind of like, there's a rhythm to it. Whereas sprinting is like all out, go for it. Actually, because I only figured it out recently. I figured it out and it's kind of like, okay, yeah, this could work. So it's kind of like, I'll have a song in my head and it's like, okay, I can kind of build up with this. And um, I kind of finally understood why people did the claps, but I still wouldn't because a lot of people clap off beat anyway. So I listen to a lot of music. So it'll be like, okay, if there's a song I'm listening to at the moment, I can kind of like slow it down in my head and then like build it up from there. And I remember in our conference, I didn't do as well as I wanted to just because there were loads of things going on for me. So like, at our conference, I was like, okay, I need to redeem myself. So it goes back to the pressure I put on myself that like, oh, I need to redeem myself, da, 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 all of this. So I was like, just on my toes, like anxious the entire time. And even my coach came up to me like, are you okay? Cause he started talking about like my Irish accent came out more because I was so stressed. <laughs> I ran the hundred and I finished it, like not knowing where I placed. I just knew I did like well enough. And I came to my coach, I didn't even ask him where I placed. I was like, what time did I run? He's like, 11.44. And I was like, oh my God, yes. And then I found out I came first by like 0 0.01. I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> um, and then the two, I was just like, you know what? This is your last event, go for it. <laughs> just go for it. And um, ended up getting a PB and that as well. Like, okay, yeah. I was like very conflicted because I was like, on the one hand, like my PB's dropped drastically since I started. But on the other hand, I could have got a medal. <laughs> that was the only thing in my mind. Like, I just wanted, I wanted something to bring back to my mom because like, obviously I'm over there by myself. And it's like, that's what was bothering me at, in indoors. Just that like, I missed the support of like having like people I'm familiar with around me. So I was just like, I want something for her. It was so tough for me at first because like I do like kind of struggle with my mental health sometimes. So like being on my own and then like making friends and then getting used to training, there was a lot to do it. But then like I'd say when I went back in January, I was able to kind of like talk to more people and like just figure stuff out like, okay, I know what to expect kind of. And especially now, like I'm actually excited to start my second year because like I know what's happening now. At least I'm not like clueless about stuff. If it did get like to what I thought was bad, I'd go talk to like the um, counselor that we have. So like um, we'd have like free sessions. So like a few free sessions for anything else. And then my coaches were like, oh yeah, we can cover it if you need any more. So I was like, okay, that's good. And then the journaling thing, that was until the start of the year. I was like, I should probably do that just cause like I need an outlet or something. At least cause I do like, I've loved track, but when I was over there, I felt like I feel extremely burnt out, but I was like, no, I still do enjoy doing this. It's just that like, I don't know what's really going on. I'm just kind of going with whatever happens. So I was just like, okay, let me get a journal. At least if I can't talk to anyone, cause obviously time zones as well. I can't really call my friends. It's like two in the morning for them. So I was like, okay, at least get it out somewhere. My coaches in secondary school. So like I met them when I first started. So Kieran and Relus and 
I'd consider them to be family to me at this point because like they've they've helped me out a lot and like I'm still in touch with them now and everything like um they've been like really supportive and I remember like there's sometimes like back in secondary school like I'd be the only one training like I'd be doing winter training by myself because um track was like a summer sport so but I was like no I still want to do things that's why it was like enjoyable for me like oh yeah I feel like the stress I had over there was like good to like you know character development and like it got me going but like I was I remember saying to my coaches back at home like I'm excited to come back home because I feel like this is I know this this is comfortable for me so it'll be fun at least not saying it wasn't fun over there but I just felt like maybe I put too much pressure on myself which is something I'm gonna kind of work on for my next year so world championships are being held in Oregon in the USA this year um, the four by one is a relay so each leg runs 100 meters. I'm, but when we went to Diamond League, because we're trying to qualify for European Championships, I got to run last leg and I felt great. It was the first time I did it in like a few years because of COVID and stuff. I was like, I love this so much. <laughs> we trained on the day for Diamond League to just to see like marks and stuff. I'm like, I mean, it worked. It worked. So it was it was great. Um, and I feel like we're probably gonna end up doing the same thing again because like we leave on Tuesday, so the 12th. Um, and then we run on the 22nd. This is my first year as like under 23 senior, so it's like, oh, I'm new to this. And like, even after um, Diamond League, like I got closer with like the girls that I ran with. So like Lauren Roy, Kate Doherty, and Sarah Leahy. I was like, oh yeah, this is, these are great, <laughs> what's this? So um, no, and I've realized now that I am coming out of my shell a bit more anyway, so like. In terms of the European Football Championships, uh, we're getting to the business end of the competition now. And in at eight o'clock this evening, we're going to see the tournament hosts uh, face England facing Spain, which were one of the pre-tournament favourites. So, what can we expect from that? It's it's amazing that two of the top teams are meeting probably at this juncture, and mm-hmm. um, England have have been very impressive. But again. Feel, I feel a bit sorry for them because the it's at home and, and like the expectation levels have suddenly gone absolutely through the roof and <laughs> you know beating teams eight nil and that probably you know doesn't help that you know regardless of who the opposition are but it wouldn't have been an expected result they, they definitely have developed from the Phil Neville days even and uh, they, they're playing really good football and have goals all over the place and as you say Spain have been were from the start pinpointed as as one of the favourites. So one of the big guns are gone after tonight, um, which makes it more more exciting. What will be interesting then is, will it be as open as a lot of the games have been or will it just be cagey, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, trying to avoid mistakes. So that that will be interesting. I, I hope England go for it because I think they have, I think they they certainly have goals in a lot of different places around the field. In terms of uh, the English side, they have been badly struck by COVID, you know, albeit playing playing very well and performing. So how do we think this is going to affect them? It, it's, it is a massive worry, uh, Niamh. And obviously we we know it's, it's um, uh, you know, it's spiking again in, in mm-hmm. Britain and they sort of have different rules to us in terms of quarantining. And, you know, we have heard teams in Ireland, even in terms of management, um, 
wanting to mind their players, you know, in bubbles. Mm-hmm. So, so in these major championships, you know, uh, giving autographs even, you know, they're trying to stop players doing that, which is a real yeah. pity because this is a great opportunity to grow and to have role models, but it's just dangerous. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and they know it firsthand, but obviously Serena Wiegmann uh, has missed the last game. It obviously didn't bother them too much, but they, she's a key individual within the group. And this is now knockout stuff. It's not Northern Ireland. And yeah. a couple of the players, I think as well, have, 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 have picked it up. So, once it's in there, you're always terrified that it'll it'll spread, and uh, you know that that is a worry and it's a stress. So that can have a mental that's a mental you know impact that we won't know until afterwards. You know, perhaps yeah. so it is a worry, but it's probably a worry for all the teams. Neve is the only yeah, true, true. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and I mean, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Serena is the coach, so obviously that can that can throw up a bit of upset but hopefully um you know she's she, i'm sure she's able to communicate with them i'm sure she has a great uh backroom team that can keep the players moving forward but as you said um a couple of the players have tested positive as well so for anybody who's a passive football football fan and is uh tuning in to to watch the competition who are some of the key players that we should be watching out for in this game yeah well i suppose uh, beth mead has been the standout player um She's already got five goals uh, and she's creative as well. Three assists. Um, and and Fran Kirby is, is quite good, at, uh, creative in a deeper role as well. Um, like they, they just have a lot of players and uh, that, that are threatening and they have them scoring coming off the bench as well. So, um, but, but they are the big two. Beth Mead has probably been the, mm-hmm. the standout player in the tournament so far. And then for Spain? Uh, Mariona Caldente is is the striker, and of course she's won a, a Champions League uh, medal as well. Um, she, she's one of those that um, doesn't need a second invitation. I, I don't think to have a shot. She she mm-hmm. likes to you know. So you need they'll need to be watching because once she's yeah. in and around 30, 25, 30 meters, she she has a shot. I think she's had eleven shots and created twelve chances as well. So so she does see what's going on around or two but yeah. uh so that that makes uh, defenders you know wary she having the shot or is she going to play the slide pass or or what but uh she she's the one who makes it all take for spain yeah it'll certainly be an interesting game and as you said like one of the one of the big teams is they're going out tonight uh so it'll be interesting to see um to see what happens have we a prediction here? Or? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think, I think the likes of Germany and that are going to be at home rubbing their hands. That's what I think. But um, with glee that one of these are gone, uh, I'm going to go for England. Um, I, I, t- I trust them really impressed. And and while maybe the defense, you know, teams they're playing are different, but they just look like they know what they're doing. They look like the game has evolved, mm-hmm. and uh, the. You know, I love that they have that scoring power off the bench as well after 60, 70 minutes. Uh, people that are hungry to be starting. Yeah. And, um, I, uh, uh, you know, as long as they can cope with that pressure, uh, I, I, you know, which is monumental. We've seen the men's team. It's, it's been probably the major factor in them not winning a major tournament in 50 years, that insane expectation and pressure. But they seem to be coping with it so far, sort of embracing it and embracing the reaction and the great crowds that are going to games. So, um, 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go for England, just. Yeah, I think um, they can definitely um, benefit from being in front of the home crowd, but I imagine there's like a, a lot of pressure in that that goes with it as well. But um, thanks so much for joining us today. We're delighted to chat with you through all those headlines. And uh, I'm certainly looking forward to all the matches that are coming up. Pleasure. Thanks a million, Niamh. Earlier today, I caught up with Irish rugby star Eve Higgins to discuss their qualification for the Sevens Rugby World Cup and to discuss the 2022 season so far. Hey Eve, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Huge congratulations on the qualification for the World Cup. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah, um, it, it's great to finally qualify for the World Cup. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it's basically been on our uh, radar for the last year of knowing that we had this qualification tournament this summer so it's a uh, it, it's great to finally get it get it over with and actually getting you know uh, a qualification for the world cup coming up in september what was the emotion like with the team as you finally sealed the deal i know it's something that you've like as you said you've been working working really really hard for yeah it's um it was great it, it's it's exciting it's everyone's really looking forward to now the next two months what it has um to come and um, going into a block before the world cup now uh you know it's just it's really exciting and especially the fact that we have a lot of young girls that are 18 19 20 in the squad that have never experienced a world cup before um yeah it's just it's in a really exciting place in terms of the kind of mood before the competition kicked off, like what was it like? Were people nervous? Was there confidence or what was it different across the team? Yeah, I'd say I'd think you'd be lying if you said you weren't nervous. Um, I'd say we we're lucky that we had we had two European competitions beforehand um, to kind of get some game time in and uh, probably like shake a bit of nerves as well going into mm-hmm. and gain confidence going into this uh, tournament. Um, and yeah, like, you know, it's everyone, you, you may as well, like you, you do as much analysis and stuff on other teams, but at the end of the day, everyone's fighting and they're desperate for a last spot in the World Cup. So you can never replicate that. So um, obviously you just try and control what you can control and mm-hmm. perform the best you can. So um, nervous, but yeah, exciting again. So there was four straight wins, uh, scoring 177 points, conceding none. How was that for the team? Yeah, when you I say when you look back at it now, when we look back, it's um it's a great accomplishment that we can look back and say that no one ever uh, crossed our try line and uh, that our defense was very good. Um, it, it's funny though when you like we kind of just focus game by game, so mm-hmm. and looking to get a performance. So, um, we wanted to build throughout the weekend, and uh, there are sometimes that we thought that our performance dropped. Um. And we just wanted to continue to improve. So looking back now, we can be happy, but it's it's in the moment. You're very much like, what can we do better? What can we do better? Mm-hmm. And in terms of the game, like obviously sevens is is it's such a, a quick game, and like you've a lot of matches back to back. Um, how is that as you prepare? You know, you move on from one into the next, and um, you know, face each team, and it, it's a very quick process. Yeah, it is. And then, but also the, this tournament was, it felt like a bit of a slow process in a way, because we'd usually play six games mm-hmm. in a weekend, whereas this, uh, this competition was four games over two days. So you had a longer break between games than uh, you'd usually have. So we were actually able to go back to our hotel. And if you wanted to nap <laughs> in your bed and have a sleep, you could. So it was, it was also, it was very different. Um, 
so at least like we did have experience on the world series and stuff of having longer breaks between games that you kind of uh, just reset yourself and just look look ahead to the next game um so yeah it was good was there any time for uh, more more tiktok dances during that same time or, or that post post tournament yeah stuff um no there's definitely uh, i think my my room i was rooming with Emily and she found out that my uh, constant swiping of TikTok throughout my addiction uh, throughout the few days um, very much it's very much a time a time pass it's it's great tool for time passing uh, yeah. and yeah no it's it's very popular among a lot of the girls in the squad <laughs> yeah we've definitely seen it on there we've seen the rendition of uh, Harry Potter and all the different dances <laughs> and that kind of thing yeah keeps everyone entertained anyway yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> and for for you personally, you scored uh, four tries throughout the tournament. So how how pleased are you yourself with your overall performance? Um, yeah, like to, to be honest, like yeah, like I said, you just want to kind of build throughout the weekend and as a team, and then obviously also personally. So um, yeah, overall, um, happy enough, but uh, looking forward to improve now again in the next block that we have pre World Cup. In terms of sevens, like it's something that I, a couple of people are playing, uh, paying close attention to and um, the development of the team in, in the past year and the success has been incredible. So obviously there's been um, medals um, in Krakow and um, also in Seville. So talk to us a bit about that. Like what's it like to, to pick those up and, and just keep building on the success? Yeah, no, it's it's been great. It's like we can look back at this season um before World Cup and say that it was mm. our most successful um season that we've ever had um in Irish rugby and the women's setup um so far and going into a World Cup that's very exciting. Um so yeah like with the likes of Aidan McNulty coming in as head coach at the start of the year and stuff it's just it's just a very uh, enjoyable place to be in a team that's so young and also just so close and um, are all together for one goal. And when you're playing with your mates and you all have the same purpose and stuff, it just makes it easier. And then when you look at the rewards we've gotten off the back of it, um, it's just very pleasing and it's just an enjoyable place to be. And in terms of the preparation for this World Cup, like, would that be any different or, or how do you think the preparations would be um, from the last time? Um, it's, it's quite different from the last time. I, I was lucky enough to be involved in the last World Cup in San Fran and it was, as far as I'm aware, it was like a month after the final World Series event. So it wasn't it, like it was, it was very close together with other mm -hmm. events and um, it kind of, you felt seamlessly kind of going into it whereas now we have a bit of a break before the next for before um the world cup in the start of september so um it's exciting it's going to be like a little pre-season block i'd say before um the world cup and you're nervous as well because you know you're going to be dying by the end of each session but it's exciting as well and um yeah it's just really looking forward to putting the hard work in and um hopefully putting in performances during the world cup absolutely in terms of the game, uh, for those that have never seen it before, what are three things you think that somebody needs to know about sevens? Um, you know, build the interest, build the hype. Like it's it's obviously such a an exciting game. But what are three things people need to know? Okay, um, it's fast. It's very quick. Um, there's usually a lot of tries. Um, and I think there's just it's great. There's great skills on show. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah.
I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And then in terms of the the energy and the atmosphere coming out after the um after the qualification and ahead of competing with the competing in the World Cup, what's that like in the team and uh, what can we expect? Yeah, so the energy's good. We've had two weeks off now, so um people are getting their we're getting our holidays in the few <laughs> days off that we can before um putting in a few hard a good few hard um hard weeks of work um so yeah I think everyone's good for relaxation now and um as soon as we get back into training in two weeks time everyone's going to have their head down and working hard to come together for the one goal of um uh, going to the world cup at the end of um the block brilliant well look we're really really looking forward to to watching it like we absolutely love sevens here and um yeah delighted that you all managed to get the job done and, and are going on to compete in the World Cup. So thanks so much for taking the time to chat to us and best luck over the next couple of weeks and months. Thank you so much. Thank you. A great weekend of racing at the Irish National Rowing Championships in Cork this weekend. We saw a host of Olympians, international athletes and the club's finest talent across Ireland compete. Last year, UCC picked up all senior championship wins, but this year were challenged by NUIG, who were back with a bang, and UL, who were in flying form again this year. In terms of the senior eight, it was NUIG and a Galway composite crew, which featured Clean and Nolan and Olympian Fiona Murta in the crew. They ran away with it as they pushed on from UCC and Skib, who had a host of talent, including Emily Hegarty, Tara Hanlon, Margaret Kremen, and Lady Heafy all in the boat. Congratulations, Fiona, senior eight champion. Yes, thanks to Mel. Well, Jesus, all the girls did the hard work. Do you know, uh, they've been training all year, so <laughs> I got to sit in on Thursday. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. What's it like getting to sit back in with university? Thanks so much. Amazing. Like the club, to be able to go back to the club and rope the club, uh, it means so much. It's such a great, they've been doing so much work all year and uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And a lot of the women's squad were spread across a couple of the eights there, so. Yeah, it was good. It was good fun. Um, Tara and Emily were in the ECCH and Monique uh, was in the Champagne. So, and so, you're yeah, in the pair at the moment. Yes, myself and Emily were racing uh, Munich uh, European Championships in the pair. Uh, in the four and a double. Oh, It'll be a busy week. Straight back to the hard work. Straight back to the hard work tomorrow morning. Yeah, we're straight into it. So no rest for Brilliant. Congratulations again. Margaret Kremen ran away with three championship wins as she claimed the titles in senior single, lightweight single and senior double with her partner Aoife Casey. Margaret had two dominant performances in the single skull as she won the senior single and lightweight single. The senior single was a hotly contested competition as she pushed away from Aoife Casey in second, Natalie Long in third, and Claire Ferrick in fourth, all who have a host of international experience. So after all that, you're leaving with three championships, what's it like? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it was a good weekend. Really enjoyed the racing. Like the weather was fab and the racing was great and just good to race for the club and really enjoyed it, yeah. Great weather and uh, totally different chapters to last year. Yeah, definitely. Like I think the weather makes a huge difference, like especially for the younger crews racing, like it's the pinnacle of the season and for to get the conditions they hope for is great and you know makes the weekend a lot more enjoyable as well. So I think everyone's coming away happy. So did you get chatting to many young athletes and stuff? Were there many people coming home? <laughs> yeah, I did actually. A little girl came up for photos. So that was really nice. <laughs> that was cute. Um, yeah, like I think you know, it's great. I think for for the next generation to like see um, the different talent and stuff that's out there. Like it's important. Like the whole can see, can't be. Uh, you know. So I think uh, yeah, I think it was great, and we're lucky that we could compete this weekend and that we're home and 
racing on home waters, so yeah. And then you have Munich coming up soon at the Europeans, so yourself and Lydia will be pushing for that. Yeah, yeah, we're training's going really well, so we'll be going into that um, like a storm, so buzzing for it, so yeah. Congratulations. Tara Hanlon and Emily Hegarty claimed the senior pair title as they were pushed by Claire Freerich and Quiva Dempsey of Neptune. Their experience and time together certainly showed. Having international wins and experience together, the UCC pushed on to take the win, but were certainly pushed for the first 500 to 1000 metres by the Neptune crew. For its first year back in action, the senior quad saw a whole host of talent. It was Calorgan that took the win in impressive fashion as Rhiannon O'Donoghue, Monika Dakarska, Molly Sullivan and Lily Gallagher seized the win. Congratulations, you won senior quad yesterday. How was that? Oh, we are thrilled, but actually, like, we couldn't ask for a better, uh, better race and stuff, like, so we were, we were delighted. It was a really dominant performance. At what point did you start to pull away and, and know that you had it in the bag? Um, I thought at the 1k, they might have us, but they just kept pulling away and it actually turned out great. Yeah, I thought our start was very dominant as well. Like, I just seen Rhiannon getting the four stroke and I was like, there's no stopping here, so yeah. we just, we, we we just followed. <laughs> We knew we had to get it from the start and that planned out well. And it's the first time it's been back in the championships in a couple of years. It's a really, really good event. It looked like a really nice row. So you'd be aiming for it again next year? Yeah, definitely. Especially that like we are all from the same club and we are sticking around, you know, kind of Kilorgan and stuff. It's like I think for us, like the win meant way more because we are from a very small town and we were, you know, against competitors from universities and it's very hard to put a senior club together, you know, as a club. Um, and then, like the last time Kyogen won a quad was in 2096, and that was junior quad. So to win, actually, to actually bag a senior quad was a was a major achievement for us. Um, but yeah, sure, years fly by, and I was, I'm sure we all be here again <laughs> next year. And for the other three that haven't been to the Olympics, what's it like to be able to sit in with Monika? I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's loads to learn from Monika. Yeah, I know it's great and, and it seems like there's loads of up and coming talent and everyone's pushing from Glorglin. So what are what are the goals next year? Oh, definitely Eva is the one to watch. She finished third in the, sorry, she finished seventh in the um, overall time trial for the junior 18s. Um, and she has another year under her belt. And uh, in terms of talent, like we have a massive pool of uh, juniors now coming up. So it's great to see that, I suppose the Olympics and the, the I suppose, chat about rowing kind of got people, you know, uh, moving and inspired to try out the sport. So we are delighted with that. Brilliant, well done and thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Wins again for UL as they picked up the Senior Four title, another successful year for Neve Coffey, Karina Coughlin, Lauren O'Brien and Marie-Christine Gerdhart. Earlier I sat down with Natalie Lennon, personal trainer and nutrition coach, to discuss her journey in fitness and nutrition, her struggles with body image, food and anxiety and how she changed her ways to now lead her happiest life. So I'm 28 years old and I am a qualified personal trainer and nutritional and health coach. But at the end of my degree, Fitness became my outlet. It was my method of kind of reducing stress and just getting away from the, the deadlines and the worry of where post-college um, was going to take me. Along with that, Instagram started to grow as I was sharing my own story. So at the time, that would have been my physical transformation, my kind of lifestyle improvements, my health changes. 
which I thought was all very positive and I'm sure we'll touch on it. And then I also, over the last few years, went and got a nutritional and health coach certificate because I realized the whole balance, nutrition, fitness, lifestyle was more so where people were struggling than just physical transformations. I was always really active as a child. So I grew up in the countryside on a stable yard. My dad was a racehorse trainer. So my childhood was like, you know, in the trees, cutting out like little hideouts in the bushes, jumping around on the hay bales and dancing. Dancing was a huge part of my childhood. As you reach a certain age, stage school isn't really like acceptable to continue going to when you're like 20, 21. So that's when I started to move over to fitness a little bit. Probably subconsciously missed an element of movement in my life because obviously when you move, when you exercise, you get that feel good feeling. And I guess I was missing that and naturally just gravitated back towards movement of some kind. If it's new to you or you've been out of kind of the fitness scene or exercise for some time and you hear people like myself going on about how fun it is and how you can find methods that you love doing, that all sounds very attractive. But it's taken me a long time to come to this place with, with movement and my relationship with fitness and food that it is so fun and enjoyable. And I think for anyone starting off on that journey, realize that it's gonna be a little bit uncomfortable for a time, but it has to get uncomfortable before it gets comfortable. So it's like, you know, we talk about the idea of comfort zones. I love the idea of comfort zones. I was talking about them kind of metaphorically, but if you're in your small circle of where you feel comfortable and you want to try new methods of exercise and find out what it is that you truly enjoy, you're probably going to come across some that you don't enjoy and that make you feel uncomfortable and that isn't going to change. But you're going to come across some that you will start to enjoy and you've got to give them more than one shot to get to that point with it. It's definitely extremely scary doing these things on your own. It's always that like a little bit frightening leaving, being like, oh, are people going to look at me and think, is she crazy? Does she have no friends? And once you see it through, that's when you get that, self-confidence kick. That's when you feel so empowered. And that's probably because it's not something that people often do. Like doing things on your own is hard, but the more you do it, the more self-confidence you build. And the more kind of, I think, self-love you kind of build because you've given yourself the, given yourself the opportunity to grow. Anytime you do something on your own that scares you, it's probably a sign that you should do it. Attitude and mindset can completely change a person. It can completely change your path, your goals, your aspirations. I heard probably on a TikTok recently, because I spent way too much time there, um, but I think we may have all heard this before, like if a flower doesn't bloom, you don't blame the flower, you blame its environment. And if you think of that in terms of attitude and mindset, if you have the wrong mindset and the wrong attitude, or you feel like you can't develop the mindset and attitude that you want or that you see someone else has and you're like why am I as driven as her or as outgoing stop blaming yourself because it may not be your fault but it's the environment you're surrounded by maybe you're surrounding yourself with the wrong people you know they say you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with i suppose my journey with body image has been a really complicated one so when i started social media and um, my instagram was purely my own fitness journey which was purely about physical change. So body image completely took over my mindset, my mental health, my life. Um, it went down the body dysmorphia route. I would potentially put that a little bit down to how I treated social media at the time, but also the fitness industry and the pressures that were there as a personal trainer. Your body was your 
asset, your business, your potential way to get in clients, if they saw your body and believed that that was something you could help them achieve, then you think that's going to get you more business. Mm -hmm. But it was never about health. It was always about your body. Mm -hmm. And because my followers were growing as a result of these pictures that went viral, um, which was probably easier done at the time, I nearly felt it was my duty to then continue to inspire and motivate these people who are now following me for the physical transformation. And I just went deeper and deeper and deeper down that route. And I eventually got diagnosed with an eating disorder. And I've looked into it more since. So it's called like OSFED, Other Spe Specified Feeding and Eating Disorders, which is just like a group. I think it's the majority of eating disorders, which is the mental health disorder with the highest mortality and morbidity rate. But you just tick some boxes and you don't tick others. So I was obsessed with fitness, I was obsessed with food, I was training way too much, I lost my cycle, I was struggling with body dysmorphia. Now, I will say, and I always say, it's something I'll always be kind of um, aware of. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be triggers, like any sort of obsession that you've ever had or addiction that you've ever had. There's little triggers, but you know, you have more tools in your toolbox now to kind of put things back together and, you know, put up that kind of bulletproof shield around you. And I have never been enjoying life as much as I am these days because I've worked through it all and for anyone who is struggling with body image know that there is so much more to life out the other side you can get through those struggles but you just are not meant to do it alone so whether that means following accounts that help you it means seeing a counsellor that helps you it means telling a friend your family you just have to seek support to get through any struggle in life but particularly body image and God know that there is so much more to you than just your body. All of the advice I guess that I try to give now, you know me saying that vulnerability is strength, surrounding yourself with like-minded people, surrounding your social media self with the type of person you want to become, stepping out of your comfort zone. I had to do all of that and all of that was uncomfortable and that is exactly how I have reframed my journey and who I am. I went and I got you know mental health counselling recently that's not something we should be like afraid to talk about and even saying that I'm a bit like oh like the taboo is still there but I think just learning to to own my story has helped me reframe it and the more that I own it the more that I'm able to like really take back the steering wheel of my own life my morning and evenings there's always kind of like staples that I like to keep there whatever happens in between can change but I don't like to rush in the morning. <laughs> I'm, I used to be like, get up, get to the gym, quick as you can, get the workout in before you do anything else. But I like to allocate a little bit extra time so that I can get up, drink a glass of water first thing. I drink my Zest Active, my daily super supplement. Definitely keeps my immune system and energy strong and supported. I soak up the daylight. So I love to like just stand there in the morning, whether it is a dull day or a bright day, literally just let my eyeballs soak up the daylight and then move on to coffee that brings me to life. And then I slowly start to dive into my day and my to-do list. So I like to really take my time and I have, you know, like the head plan and my journal a little bit plan out my day. That's something I like to keep there in terms of a daily routine. I feel like my morning routine is really important. And then my kind of evening nighttime routine, if there's not kind of a lot going on, Definitely try to get nature at some point in the day, be that 15 to 20 minutes or be that like an hour long walk with a friend or my mom. Um, joint active, I often take in the evening. I've actually had quite a few little niggles and injuries over the last few years. So it's really important that with the amount of training I do, 
I look after like my bones, my cartilage, my connective tissues. So take that in the evening and then move in like a little bit more before bed, try and limit screen time, have my nighttime tea. Not that I have a daily routine per se, but there's aspects of my day that I try to keep routine and that would be the two. Start small um, and start differently. So like, yes, you know, I'm really into movement and exercise in the outdoors, but I wasn't always as into the outdoors or movement in the way I am now. Um, there was a, a time period there, particularly during the lockdowns, during the first one, where I trained far less and it finally allowed me to slow down, but I had to because I had to get my period back, my menstrual cycle, because I had hypothalamic amenorrhea for years. Very, very difficult. Um, diagnosis I guess to recover from when you love training and you love movement but that allowed me to completely reframe my relationship with fitness and movement and find forms that I enjoy more and had I not have allowed myself that time off I probably wouldn't have came into it with this kind of different fun feeling and mindset now I still love the gym and I love my weights but if I don't get outdoors for a few days or get in like a little hike or walk or swim, I'll start to feel like agitated. Um, so I think for anyone that's coming back into it, allow yourself time to trial different methods of movement more than once. You know, if you've never been to a gym, it can be daunting, it can be scary. You can walk in once, get the fear, leave and never come back. Give the gym or give the hike or give the sea swim give the cycle more than one go because you will grow to love a form of movement, but just allow yourself that time to find it. As we've discussed going through the headlines, there's lots of action coming up this week. In terms of the World Athletics Championships in Oregon, they will continue until the 24th and Rashida Adelecki will be racing today as well as a host of other Irish athletes. In the Euros today, we'll see England versus Spain at 8 p.m. On Thursday, we'll see Germany versus Austria at 8 p.m on Friday Sweden versus Belgium at 8pm and on Saturday France will face Netherlands at 8pm. In the Camogie Championship sem semi-finals in Croke Park we'll see a double header as Cork will take on Waterford and Galway will face Kilkenny. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of The Her Sport Show. A quick reminder that you can catch this episode and every episode on YouTube on all podcast platforms and across our social media channels. Thanks for joining in and we hope to see you again next week. The Her Sport Show live every Wednesday on YouTube and every podcast app.